you said you have six hives right now. Do you have empty hives to fill still? Because it is still mm-hmm. bee season. It is bee season. I have one more. But if I caught, if I found a couple more swarms that somebody else didn't need, I would quickly go and get another box. I would love to have 10. That would be great. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Essential Craftsman Podcast. I'm Nate. This is a fun episode. I think it's the first time that I have a guest who's more nervous than I am. <laughs> and that's my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, Nate. So we're doing this for Mother's Day, and hopefully this will come out on Mother's Day. So I'm going to go through a list of questions here of some topics that I think are generally very interesting. She's got some pretty unique hobbies. Um, But before we get into that, for maybe a year now, you've been working full-time with Essential Craftsman. Do you want to just walk through what what it is you do? Because it's kind of behind the scenes and and, um, what what you the new things you've kind of had to learn over the last year are. Yeah, I've had to learn a lot of new things. I'm computer skills are not my thing, but I can I'm I'm fairly competent, but I went from working at an elementary school and to having this new assignment of ed- not editing but adding cards to videos and shipping items and answering email and taking care of a lot of details that um, I never had to do before. So it's it has been new and it took me a while to learn it. And at the beginning, I wasn't sure that I could, but I've come to that point where I, I can. So when, when you put videos in YouTube, after you upload them, there's kind of a lot of work. You have to fill out the whole description. There's cards and end screens and all the links and notes. And just yeah. there's actually a, a lot of stuff. And it I really hated, hated doing it. I did it for a while. And so I was just so happy when you took over on that. Now, email, you're kind of an old pro. And I want to mention... Yeah. How how many years have you been doing daily emails with your my best friends? friends? My friends and I have emailed for, well, 20 years when I had the internet the first time, at least. When we first moved to Oregon, we kept in touch that way, and we still do. But in the last month, we have uh, switched to Marco Polo. So hold on. You guys would email how many times per day? Oh, every day. Once a day. Oh, once, once a, day. a day. Every yeah. single every day. Every single day. For 19.9 years. Yes. years. yes. Until a month ago, and yes. now it's Marco Polo. Now we're Marco Polo. Polo, which is now five times a day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you're reading and, and keeping up on the email and helping out with that, which is really helpful. Yes. Now, the the viewer who requested this episode, I think his specific question for you was regarding the stresses and blessings of a blue-collar lifestyle. I don't know the best way to pose that question, yeah. but how would you how would you answer that? Um, well, it's 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 all we've known. It's been really familiar for me for most of my life as well. Blue collar life, it's kind of feast or famine. It's yeah. it's it's good. For Scott and I later, it was definitely feast or famine. We were either real comfortable or really worried yeah. as the jobs were coming and going. And but we were always a team and um helped each other out. We we kind of covered each other when needed, yeah. always. And that was a big key to success of making it that way. Yeah, it's stressful when you're relying on your hands and, you know, right. the phone ringing and there's kind of like a lot of... And your health. And your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the economy. And yeah. I didn't work. And that was a decision that we didn't actually ever have a discussion about whether yeah. or not I was going to work. It just It's just what we did. Yeah. I stayed home. I worked as hard as he did. And he worked so hard. And we flopped into bed at night so tired. It's how we did it. 
and it yeah. it worked very well for us. But um, yeah, it wasn't without some stress, and it also wasn't without some really good payoff. Yeah, what do you th- what's it like looking back at that now? It's if you gave advice to your younger self, it's, it seems like usually the answer is, well, I'm really happy for a lot of people. I'm yeah. really happy where I am now, so I wouldn't change a thing is that mm-hmm. but i know there were a lot of stressful mm-hmm. years like yeah. everybody has so everybody has stressful years it's it's hard but i would say the same thing i wouldn't change anything yeah. about that it was i i do wonder if i should have encouraged scott more for an education yeah. he's so smart he could have done anything but we had started into this path and there was no go- there was no backing up at least it seemed to us lots of people are able to back up and say wait Mm-hmm. We need to reevaluate where we're headed, but we didn't. We just kept on going, and yeah. and um, and it worked. But it was hard. My dad, um, he was an investor and a real estate person, and um, did a lot of deals and a lot of construction and a lot of um, business building. And then my stepfather was a sign painter. Back when signs were hand lettered by hand. That is a whole trade that's basically gone. gone. It is completely gone. And they, my mother and my stepfather, Bill Comerford, met in a sign shop. Oh, he really? Was, he was hand lettering signs and she worked there and they um, they shared that, that workspace together. And this was back when you climbed up on those ladders up on billboards and hand painted them. Of course, none oh. of that is done now, but- he was always up on a ladder. So those yeah. billboards were painted onto the billboard at the location. It wasn't yes. like painted in the shop right. and then rolled they, out or they anything. They would make a big pattern oh. with a, a chalk bag and a little stencil, I mean, a little mm, thing that scored the paper. And then they would use chalk and it would outline the letters. Oh. Then they would take that to the site, put it up there, oh. chalk it out. Oh. And then they had a pattern and it was hand painted in. Now I'm this is the way I'm remembering. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I was not, very not young. all signs are big billboards. I'm sure right. a lot he of He did a happen. lot of lettering. He did a lot of car lettering, um, boat trim, car details. He did everything. Wow. Yeah. It was so there's good. like a sign shop and a bunch of like any other shop, a bunch of employees sort of painting. Yeah, I don't and remember how many employees, but the but paint the they shop. Met there as they both met there. employees mm-hmm. of this shop. And that was um silkscreen was kind of a big thing they would make i don't know what kind of signs but maybe it was political signs i don't know uh-huh. but they would make a, a pattern and then they were run through this mach- this equipment that would press the sign and then they would come out here and we would take them out and hang them up all huh. around to dry yeah so, that was another part of it so he also painted as a hobby like for artistic purposes yes. at home or was that also a part of his business well it, i have possession of one painting that he did and it's beautiful um it's a still life, and my mother gave it to me. Hmm. And he stopped painting when he for that in aesthetic painting when he married her because that was her thing. Oh, and and he at least that's what I'm told that he didn't want to compete with that. And and she's a fabulous artist, and um, and pursued that the rest of my life. So the smell of paint has been around hmm. my whole life. So. Was when she was working in that. So we're talking about my grandma now, your mom. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. still Mother's Day, so that we're allowed to yeah. still talk about this. Yeah. Now, she was doing sign painting work as a job, and also yeah. even at that point, painting artistically. Oh yes, we had a little studio in our house. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in the afternoons, when we were doing whatever, she was painting landscapes. And how mm-hmm. old is she now? 
She's 87. And mm-hmm. and how much painting is she doing these she's days? She's there right now. She's there every day painting. Mm-hmm. She has, I, I don't know how you quantify paintings. I mean, truckloads of paintings or container loads um, of paintings, but tons. Closets, closets a room, full. a couple of rooms full. Yeah. And she's, she has lots of her work in several art galleries. Yeah, throughout. she's really successful. Yeah. This is not like a, yeah. a lot of grandmas paint as a yeah, fun hobby, right. but this was her career. I, right. She's done murals all over our hometown here right. that are still standing and beautiful. And mm-hmm. she's been a, a local kind of a local painting legend yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't say celebrity but right. certainly like the big local right. dog um southern Our oregon public library was built i don't know 25 years ago and she did a beautiful mural on the inside of that so that is the most well-preserved yeah um, mural and it will always oh, yeah. be there and the library just now is been taken over by a different entity but they've left the mural there and it shows all the different um occupations of the county over the years and it's really beautiful i'm so glad they kept it do you think she would we we, we talked about making a video with her to just show some of her painting i wonder mm-hmm. if she'd be up for that I, i've asked her about it and she said yeah i could do that she's, i think she could she's really a neat lady yeah All right, i'm gonna turn the page here um several maybe six months ago you went to texas met a bunch of texans yeah. and what was that like that was so fun it was so fun i had never been to texas and that place is so big we would drive and drive and drive, and it seemed like we never got anywhere. But we did meet some wonderful people, and they were so friendly and helpful. And we met at the uh, Good of the Land Festival. It was really great. And met, um, I remember, two or three different people that I spent a couple hours with just visiting and talking about their life and their kids. And it was yeah. really nice. More than any other state I've been to, Texas feels like its own country. And I know yeah. it was for a while. Yeah. But it really just feels like it. it when does. you're there, it's like there's no question that it's, it's a completely different it's animal. Completely different. We got to go to the Alamo, which we hadn't been to before. Yeah, and and had good good people there teaching about that. You've been around, and Dad's been interested in old tools and all of these types of things for long enough that being at the Good of the Land Festival was not new. Seeing yeah. the the tools and machinery and everything, um, but at the same time, it was kind of new because that's a high concentration of people who are really interested in blacksmithing and mm-hmm. anvils. And I don't know, you, you have a small handful of those folks here, but yeah. what was that like seeing a bunch of people all with same exactly interest. the same interests yeah. as you and dad? It was great. It was very familiar. I knew what they were doing. I yeah. knew what, I knew what their equipment was. There was a beekeeper there. Oh. So I got to go and talk to him and watch how he does some things. Hmm. That was great. There was Did lots he bring of bees to the, he brought hives. He but just well, brought hives and set them up there so you could see how they worked. And oh, is that just the em- that's the term they for were the empty, empty case? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was really fun, and there was um, equipment there that I was not familiar with at all because I don't do a lot of that. But it was good to see people all making things, all in in different ways. They're all making stuff in some way. That's cool. I want to talk about gifts for a second, and I got two questions. The first is. Thinking back over the decades you've been married to dad, are there special <laughs> or certain gifts he's given you over Mother's Day or birthdays or Christmas oh. that are especially memorable or stand out even to this day? Oh, yeah, there are. Um, he's really creative. And over the years, we've had to be because we didn't always just want to spend all kinds of money on presents. But last, not this year, about a year ago, I think, it was for my birthday in July, he made me an irrigation pipe that would fit down the rows of tomatoes and there were holes exactly where the tomato plants were. Uh. 
and he measured carefully and he hooked it up and he went back and forth and got parts. So now you drag that pipe out there, you hook it up, you turn it on. And these little fountains go right <laughs> onto the plants. And that was for my birthday. And I loved it. It was so fun. Yeah. And he thought of it. And, you know, he th does all his thinking at night. And he thought and thought. And it, and it worked perfectly. It was really fun. He's given me a lot of great stuff. A weed eater. And um, was one year. And uh, it's not always practical stuff. When I turned 50, he bought a bow. A violin bow oh. that I needed. I didn't. Ha I had a decent bow. I mean, I had a bow, but it wasn't a good bow. Huh. And he got Amanda, my daughter, involved, and she bought this bow, and and I treasure that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was it was more money than I would have ever spent on a bow, but it was nice. Where do bows come from? Are they like handmade, local type things? Are they? They can be. Are there? They guys can be making um, violins yes, by hand. Absolutely, everywhere. Huh. This one did not come from there. It came from a shop in somewhere Eugene, I think. I'm not really sure, oh. but um, was probably handmade someplace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what makes a good bow I good? I mean, no, how it springs and how flexible it is. But I, I don't. I'm not enough yeah. of a player to really know. But I, you can imagine it with like the violin because there's so much going on there. But right. I don't know. There's probably a lot going on. There is the a lot going also. on, and what I hear is that that serious players they're more concerned about their bow than they are about their violin. Really? Yeah. There's more action and there's more more happening with your bow than you would guess. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really surprising. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, and then the second part about gifts, you, you are extra good at giving gifts to little kids. <laughs> what, what do you say to dads especially cause, who have little kids or, or grandpas? How is it that you're able to think of little oh, no. nifty doodads that little kids just love? What, what, I don't know. How does well, that happen for you? Well, when they're talking to me and they're playing, I'm watching them the whole time and thinking, oh yeah, that, they need that. Oh. They need that. <laughs> Whether it's a little bug catcher or uh, whatever. And then I just file that away in my mind and then sometimes I even write them down. Oh. But I, I don't just, it's not very spur of the moment. I, okay. I think about it and I also watch and pay oh, okay. attention. So you're, you're kind of yeah, I'm paying always attention. paying attention yeah. and, and thinking, yeah. what does this little kid yeah. need? But it's it's hard because if you're not around those kids a lot, some of the grandkids don't live here. And so I don't know them as well. Uh -huh. And that's a little harder. And so those kids, I, I give them a, a little different deal. Yeah. I let the, I get on Amazon with them. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um yeah, you see a kid chasing bugs or frogs right. that you can kind of say he he, he might that. not have a net or a right. little container or a, right. I don't know some kind of like tongs. What's what are insect tongs Ooh, called? Yeah, that's that's a great thing. I don't know what those are called, but they need one of those. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for picking up bugs, bugs. that you don't want to mm -hmm. touch, which <laughs> yes. is most of them for me. <laughs> All right, great. Now let's uh, talk about beekeeping a little bit. This is a hobby you picked up how long ago? I'd say 10 years ago. And what was, yeah. how, what was it that got you like thinking you should do bees, you know, 10 years ago? Well, that seems like a huge kind of lifestyle. But yeah. You, you but there again, in. I'd been thinking about this. So I've, I've, uh, truth is, I used to catch flies as a child and keep them <laughs> for pets. And I'd make little boxes for them and put them in there because I was at that sign shop all the time where it smelled like paint and there were flies in there and I would catch them. How'd, how'd you catch them? I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Jars, up against the window, jars. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I would keep them. So about 10 years ago, Scott was especially busy. He was gone a lot. And I remember calling him and saying, hey, what do you think if I order a bunch of bee equipment? I don't really know what it is or how to do it, but I'm thinking about doing that. What do you think? And he said, yeah, do it. Hmm. 
and that's how it started. How do you even know what to order? Did you I find somebody know. who kind of was no. able to show you the ropes? No, I, I got a catalog and it just said, here is a beginner kit. Oh, a kit. And okay. I, I just bought that. And then from there, you meet people. And I, I do know a lot of people now. And I also belong to a group, a local group of beekeepers. And we get together monthly and talk and huh. share ideas and solve problems. Well, yeah. If you had to rate yourself on a scale of like, beginner to master beekeeper mm. being a 10 what how far mm. along are you in like understanding beekeeping i think i'm at about a five i think i'm halfway there oh and that's 10 years it's taken a long time and every year i learn something that i had no idea was true oh really yeah it's a there's a steep learning curve and it goes on a long time what's yeah. something you learned recently about bees um well last night was another it's april and so there's bee swarms here happening all of April and most of May, there was a swarm of bees flat on a stop sign. They covered up the word stop. It was just covered. And I had never seen that. I thought they huh. would always be hanging in a ball. That's wow. the only way I've ever done it. And it was tricky, but we got them. But so it how, was tricky. How did you find out about the bees on a stop sign? You didn't yeah. just stumble into it. No, them. because it's like finding anvils. I remember you guys telling yeah. people, do you tell everybody you know? And that's what I do. I tell every person I know, hey, April's coming. Make sure if you see a swarm of bees or if your neighbor has one, you call me. So that's how I find out most of them. Also, our bee group sends out an email. As soon as somebody sees a swarm or gets notice of one, it, an email goes out. And, huh. and whoever wants it or is available goes. But this one came from our, we actually have a bug guy, believe it or not, who comes and sprays. Like a pest control guy. A pest guy. control guy, friend of ours. And, and Jeff called and, and I've told him, you uh -huh. know, in your business, you're going to run across bees. So he calls me every year. Yeah. Okay, there's one on this address. And I said, okay, I'm on my way. And so I went there. Yeah. So if you are if you don't understand bees, what happens is over the winter, they kind of stay put. They're not right. hibernating, but they're staying there's in their just, hive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And are they, are baby bees being born and is the hive like growing Not all winter much. it's pretty 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 much just in lockdown so what yeah. why do they swarm so when they swarm the hive has gotten too big and so a group of them they mm -hmm. hatch a new queen and a group of them leave. leaves mm -hmm. is it kind of like sheep and lambs where in the spring is when all the baby bees are born yeah or exactly and they'll they'll lay eggs and produce baby bees all summer Oh. And some over the winter, just not very much. But, you know, leading up to this time of year, they've been, the light is longer, the days are warmer, they're oh. out foraging, and they're reproducing really fast. And the oh. numbers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and pretty soon some people have to leave. And so they huh. they do. They send the old queen out with, I don't know how many of the, how much of the population, maybe half, a third, I have no idea. Huh. And they leave. And they usually don't go very far, maybe you know, 20 feet, 100 feet, and they light somewhere in a tree Land or on a fence. A yeah. And they, they will stay there anywhere from a few hours to a day. Oh. And they're sending scouts out, and those scouts are looking for a suitable place. And so what we do is we just interrupt that, and they're happy about it. If we can just interrupt that and they're there, we just introduce them to the box, and oh. they're thrilled. Oh. Yeah, and so we just can easily put them in a new situation yeah, and then take them to wherever you want them. And then they set up a whole new colony. So the, the bees that landed on the stop sign, they're flat covering the sign and, and mm -hmm. somewhere in there is a queen. Somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And normally they're kind of a clump. And so you can kind right. of get the and so clump. If it's in a clump and it's hanging off a tree, it's so easy to just clip that branch off and yeah. very carefully lower the whole thing into your box. But this wasn't like that. And it was 10 feet tall 
and our ladder was too short. So um, we did another thing, which I recently learned is, is possible. I took the box. As soon as I drove in the driveway, they're following me because the truck had all this equipment in it and it's they could smell it. So there was tons of bees in the They, they could truck. smell the, the bee equipment? The bee mean? equipment, oh, like, which oh, had honey, honey and in it and, and smells. So I just oh. moved the, my hive box over to the bottom of the stop sign and set it right there. Oh. And now there's, you know, two, 300 bees going around there. And then I just left it there. And another guy was helping me. He he was um, worked at this medical facility that was right there. And he actually wanted them. Oh. So the, the etiquette is this. The first person that gets there gets them. Yeah. However, the other etiquette is I have six hives. Yeah. I didn't, I don't need another one. He didn't have any. Oh. He's a new beekeeper. He had a box. He had gloves. He had his stuff. <laughs> and he wanted them. And I said, this is perfect. I'll help you get them. And so we, it was really nice. And he oh. sent me a note this morning that there, he's so happy. They're at his house and it was all successful. But anyway, we put a box there and hoped that they would just fly. Wow. And uh, they did. So we went back at five o'clock and they were, I would say 50% of them were in the box. And then he, he said, I, I want to do this. Okay. So he climbed up on the ladder, which was too short, but I held it. Yeah. And he had, I, he took my little brush and we held up a box, a cardboard oh. box, and he just swept them right into the box, all the remaining ones that he could. And then he handed me the box and I shook them into the hive. Uh -huh. And then we still left it there until probably 10 o'clock last night. And then he went home and gathered up the whole thing, ratchet strapped it shut so that nothing uh -huh. could tip over, took it home and they're good. Wow. And then they wake up in the morning and they're ready to go. Wow. So, so he's a new beekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like yeah. kind of his new bee mentor. Maybe. I don't know. I will refer him to somebody who knows much more about it. But yeah, but yeah, it was fun to be able to to pass that on a little bit. We're always wow. wanting people to, yes, if somebody wants to know, we want to help them. Yeah. Has beekeeping changed at all like over the last thousand years? Or is this, is this just kind of- Not much. Basically how it's been done forever. <laughs> I think it's basically how it's been done. I understand they used to use what's called skeps. It would be a rope or some or clay, a pot oh. that was round. But then somebody discovered that bees like a certain amount of space. Oh. And Langstroth, the Langstroth hive is the kind that is what we now use. Oh. It's all those spaces in there are the exact amount of space and the frames are an exact amount of space. And they've discovered they, the bees want this exact number of square inches and the hive is that. And so, no, there there's other things that people try, top bar hives and... And other things, but I think most people, and I think all commercial beekeepers use this basic yeah. box. Yeah. And it, can't it be improved. Can't, yeah. It's perfect. Um, are bees like, you know, with cattle, you kind of pick what breed of cattle you want before mm. you start your herd. Is that how bees are, or is it just sort of like bees are bees? The first time I got bees, I bought them from a beekeeping supply. And you can do that. Oh. You can go there and they say, do you want these kind, these kind, or these kind? And I didn't know. I said, I don't know. What do you think? And they told me which ones. Since then, I, I've never bought any. I just catch swarms. And I have no idea what kind they are. Huh. Um, the ones that you buy probably are healthier and stronger and, and bred to be a little more gentle. Oh. And that's certainly true. Sometimes you get a swarm of bees that are just nasty. Oh. They're just terrible. But, you know, if you leave them alone and let them take care of themselves, it's okay. What, what yeah. are killer bees? 
I don't know. Um, Africanized bees. I know they're bad news. Oh, is that Africanized bad. and killer bees are all kind yeah, of the same thing? Yeah, and I, I don't really know if, if I'm truthful about this, but I think it's just a really aggressive sort of bee that can be very deadly yeah. and and can hurt people badly. They make yeah. honey and do all the normal bee activities. But they're super aggressive. They're just so like right. aggressive. And there's benefits to that. They are very aggressive and they're strong and healthy and maybe they produce more honey or something. I'm not yeah. sure. But- I've had a few hives that I thought, wow, I've got Scott stung 20 times. Now, whether that's what it was, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. So certain hives have stung you more than yeah, other hives. absolutely. And wow. some hives, I've been working in there, and they don't even seem to notice. So I don't know. Wow. So that's, that's a big probably barrier for a lot of people into getting bees because they don't like getting stung by right. me and i'm in that camp because mm-hmm. i've been stung four or five times and it really hurts it but really I, hurts. I see you getting stung and kind of like eh. is it the kind of thing that just <laughs> you, you do get used yes. to it or is it just you're just it's right tough? here really i had never been stung before and that first one i th- i just i just have to get stung here pretty soon because i have to know what this so is you had never been no. stung before you got into no. beekeeping what no Really? No, not that I remember anyway. Wow. But that first one happened right here, and wow, it's really scary. Yeah. And then another one happens, and then, you know, 20 more happen, and then five more happen. And at least now, I don't react with with this panic adrenaline surge. Now it's like, oh, ouch. But I was thinking about something. I had a guy helping us some years ago. He was so helpful, and he came out and was showing me some stuff, and he brought his kid, who was about seven, and his kid had grown up with this, and his kid was running around playing, and pretty soon he walked up and he said, hey, Dad, I just got stung. Oh, well, wow. okay. Well, be more careful then. Stay away from here. Okay. Jeez. And that was his reaction at the age of seven. I just got stung on my face. Oh, my gosh. That would have wrecked Christmas for one of my kids. Right. It'd be like, you'd right. never hear the end of it. And I thought, okay, I want to be him. I want yeah. to I want to be like that. Oh, okay. So you kind of <laughs> just decided. Like, I just decided. Okay. Yeah. I but do, do you it. feel like it's less painful now than the first, you know, four or five stings? Do you feel like your body's acclimated? No, I think it still hurts really bad. It's still the same. Yeah. You're just, but there's you're the fear isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. What What about getting stung by a yellow jacket? Is that different? I've never been stung by a yellow oh. jacket, so I don't know. Yeah. I've been stung by a hornet, I think, and that was bad, bad. Yeah. yeah. Do you watch Coyote Peterson? Yes. Yes. I love <laughs> Coyote Peterson. This is a YouTuber who who's like a... <laughs> He's a young crocodile hunter, emphasis on insects, neat guy. And he, yeah. he stings himself with every yeah. every venomous Thing. insect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, bees would be just like a light snack. He's he's putting <laughs> tarantula hawks and uh, bullet ants and everything else. Yeah, so, he's, he's really great. You said you have six hives right now. Do you have empty hives to fill still? Because it is still mm-hmm. bee season. It is bee season. I have one more. But if I caught, if I found a couple more swarms that somebody else didn't need, I would quickly go and get another box. I would love to have ten. That would be great. Every year you're getting new bees. So what what happens? Yeah. Do they do they do hives die? Yes, and I don't know why. Um, there's theories about you know colony collapse, and and I don't know. I just know that I've heard that if you get through the winter with fifty percent of your hives, you're doing pretty good. Oh, really? So those first two three times I lost a hive, I was devastated. And then I thought, well, that's okay. I'm going to keep doing it. This last year, I had only went into the winter with three, and I, all three of them were thriving when I when the winter ended. So I don't know what the difference is. So even so, 
conventional wisdom master beekeepers will tell you you're going to lose you can lose up to half of your yes. hives it's it just is yes. part of beekeeping it's part of it you're going to lose some huh. sometimes they will starve to death you didn't feed them enough they couldn't forage enough the weather was terrible sometimes i've had a hive die that the, the whole box was full of honey so oh, i don't and know it, and it died and it died or it left i'm not sure which yeah wow yeah I think it died because it was full of dead bees. So I happened to click on a YouTube video a day or two ago. Um, YouTube must have been reading my mind about what I've been thinking about because you've been talking about bees. And it was footage of a guy, of a hive of bees killing their queen. They were like swarming and like, oh. and they, they, he was explaining it, but the bees decided they didn't like that queen and they were just all killing it. pressed around her, um, killing her. He had just introduced the queen. And so, and so he's like, so I got to rescue this. I got to get this queen out of here and get a new one. And he kind of dug in there. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, no. A lot of people are really, they go in and they look for the queen and study it. And, and, and I, I am not there. I I look in there. If there's eggs, that's all I need to know. Yeah. If there's eggs happening, then my, I'm going to leave it Then that means the queen is doing her thing. No Mm -hmm. need to, no need Mm -hmm. to bug her. So if someone's interested in beekeeping, is this the kind of thing that country people can partake in because you need five acres? No. How, how much space do you need? What, what, is, what do you really need in order to be able to mm. keep bees? I could be out of line here, but I think you can keep bees anywhere. Anywhere. Um, are your neighbors going to know if you have a hive? Maybe. They look over your fence. Then some cities have, uh, have ordinances. You can't have more than three hives, but oh. nobody can can keep bees out of town. Bees yeah. are there. Bees are going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, if you have 40 hives in your tiny backyard, that's probably not very nice. But, but a hive of bees or two in the back of somebody's yard in a regular subdivision is the bees are fine. They bees can find food oh, and, yes. and you can keep bees yes. in the city. Like However, that. just to be polite, you should go to each of your neighbors and say, what would you think? Would you be okay if I kept a hive of bees? Yeah. Most of the time people say, yes, that would be so great. I would love that. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And then a, a starter kit with a hive and a smoker yeah, and some hive, gloves. smoker, gloves, suit. That works. Some frames. Yes. Little little tool. And then make a phone call. to Go, go to your local bee club. Yeah. Every town, I think, would probably have a group of people that get together and and we welcome those. We welcome people. We love it. Can you do bees and not? It seems like capturing the honey or harvesting the honey, whatever. What's the term? Uh, extracting, extracting. The honey. It mm-hmm. seems like that's a whole separate challenge it because it's so messy. Can you yes. kind of just no. keep bees as a pet? Or is there yes. no point? You can, and you don't have to pull the honey off. Okay, you can just let them have it all. In fact, they would love it. There would be more in there that they would actually need. But um, I have found honey. It's a real problem. It's like I don't have the tools yeah. because I have somebody else that does. Oh, I have somebody who has the most beautiful setup. Oh. And all of us use him. We take our frames of honey at the end of the season that are all packed full and we take them to him and he runs them through his very nice equipment and he'll call you and say, okay, come down here with um, three cases of jars. Oh, really? Okay. And you go down there and he sits and he fills your jars and you put your lids on and you go home. Wow. I don't have any of that equipment. And so when he's done doing that, I don't know, then yeah. somebody else is going to need to get some of that nice equipment. Wow. Lots of people probably buy that nice equipment and have it in their own shop yeah. and just do it for themselves. I don't have It takes more that. space and space. money mm-hmm. and, and, and he's just And he's, he's so set up for it. And wow. he's so careful about the door and the door has to be shut just right. Why is that? Because he doesn't want any bees coming in and they will come in 
instantly. Oh. If there's a crack in the door, because you're working with honey, and anytime you leave honey out anywhere, and they can get to it, they're going to come, and they're going to tell all their friends, oh. and then you have a million bees there. So he's really careful about the door and the inner door and yeah. the other inner door wow. and keeping it all very careful and clean. Huh. Yeah, he's really great. So that if that would be for beginners, probably really helpful. So find, helpful. Find the person. Find who, the people. What's that? What's that called? It's honey extraction. Uh, honey extraction. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and probably a bee club would be able to point right. you towards someone who. Can yeah. Help and with actually, that. our bee club has some equipment that you can borrow from them. I've oh. never done it because he does it for me. But wow. and I pay him. But uh, yeah, usually bee clubs have some equipment that people can check out or use. What does he? What yeah. does he charge? How do you charge? That, I think it's that? charged per frame. You know, your frame is this big and uh -huh. honey on both sides. And I, I don't know, it's three dollars or three seventy five per frame. Wow! Yeah. So if you take what him a bargain, along, yeah, it's so worth it. Whatever <laughs> yeah. he charges, it's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Is he like a honey expert in terms of he yeah. knows like what those bees were eating to make that yeah. honey? He knows all. And about he it. has a whole nother gig. He has a thing where he goes out in the spring, sets out traps, and and swarms move in to his traps. Well, what's a trap? What's uh, a bee it's trap? just a. It's an. It's a temporary home. You call it a trap. It sounds like they can't get out. That's not it at all. They just move into it. How, how's that different than a hive? It's It can be put in a tree or in oh. a bush, anywhere. And it's light and you can move it easily. Oh. And he just collects all these bees and puts them in boxes, keeps them all summer, feeds them, extracts the honey at the end of the season, sells the hive and all the bees hmm. to the next people that want them. And people get a well-established hive with enough honey in it to carry him through the winter and they're ready to go. Wow. So he's got a nice little thing going. Is this yeah. a, is this a business for him or a kind it's of a hobby. hobby business? It's a hobby business. He's retired. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. Is he the bee master around here? Town? Yes. Mhm. Mm wow. Yeah, he's really great. Oh, it'd be fun to have him on and, and Oh, it would be fun. Honey. Actually, yeah. we should just go film his shop. That would be even better. Yeah. You think he would be up I for that? I think he would. I'll ask him. Yeah, yeah. ask him. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, um I think that's about everything. Thanks great. for Coming on, this is our new, uh, this is our podcast. For those of you listening, you can see the video on EC2. And there is also a video on EC2 of you catching a hive three or four years ago. A couple years ago, yes, that? I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was two years ago, I don't remember. Yeah. But these, this, this sort of um, procedure of capturing a swarm, they fil you filmed it, you, you and dad mm -hmm. did. And, we did. And you mm -hmm. put it in a diaper box and I... I, yep. I it, it, it went really well, and you it dumped did. them in your yeah. In the I've kind of perfected the. Uh, it's a nice video, yeah. and we we didn't put it on the main channel because it wasn't quite exactly, um, yeah. you know, tool related. But I hope you guys check it out because you can see a lot of this good. there. There's different procedures. Different people all do it a different way. I've kind of developed a way that works for me. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks, mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. And um, thank you everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>